We're going to be in Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. And uh, Lord willing, time willing, we will do Proverbs 6 and Proverbs 7. Let's go ahead and have a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come to you now, thank you for the time to be here. We ask for your blessing upon the message, Lord. We pray for just the uh, time and to go deeper in you and just the wisdom and knowledge, Lord, as you speak through your word, through your spirit. And we just thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, going through our continuing our study here through the book of Proverbs, like I said, we're going to hopefully do the rest of Proverbs 6 and also Proverbs 7 here today. Now, key component of Proverbs is wisdom. Seeking wisdom, seeking godly wisdom. And one of the points that came out a lot last week's lesson is seeking wisdom before you need the wisdom. So therefore, when those decisions of life come up, when those temptations and struggles and problems and trials and tribulations come up, you already have the wisdom and guidance on how to handle it, how to deal with it. So often in our Christian walk, the problem hits and then we seek God. Where God is trying to tell us here through the book of Proverbs, seek me first. And so that way, when the issues and problems and trials of life come up, you know what the wise, godly decision is. What's the best way to have that wisdom and guidance? Well, the best way to have that wisdom and guidance is to get it while you're young. Is to get it while you're still young in your faith or even young in life, even better. And that's what Proverbs is talking about here. Look here in Proverbs 6. My son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. This idea of giving that wisdom and guidance to the kids. Look at verse 1 of chapter 7. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Stay in chapter 7, jump ahead to verse 24. Now therefore listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. That's the point, is to ingrain this godly wisdom and guidance while they're still young. So we're going to talk about that idea with kids, but it's even bigger than that. It's even for us, too, as adults. It's great to get them while they're young. That's part of the reason why we have the children's ministry going on right now, is your kids can be taught on their level and hopefully grow deeper in their walks with the Lord, because that way they can be wise while they're young. I was talking to somebody this week, and the subject came up with testimonies, and we both agreed so often as Christians, what's a good testimony? A good testimony is when somebody was involved with drugs and crime and killed people, and then they get saved at the depths of life, and then as they get saved, they have this great light and witness to the Lord. Oh, that's an exciting testimony. But really the best testimony is to say I was born into a Christian home. I accepted Christ at an early age. And I lived a good, clean, pure life all my life because of the Lord. That's a good testimony. As to see it while it's young. And that's the point here, is getting that while it's young, that wisdom while it's young. Keep your hand here in Proverbs 6, but jump back, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Really some of the best passages in the Bible dealing with kids, dealing with youth, is back in Deuteronomy. But once again, it's not just about kids, it's about us. And that's what we're going to talk about too. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, verse 6. And these words, Deuteronomy 6, verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Stay in Deuteronomy. Just jump ahead if you will to Deuteronomy chapter 11. 
Deuteronomy 11, verse 18. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and the eyes shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is something that Dawn and I tried to do literally at, at our house. Um, as you walk down in our basement there, she has scriptures that she's painted on the doorpost and on the wall. Uh, she always has scriptures up on the refrigerator, and she has really ingrained scripture into those kids. And I really appreciate her doing that. And it really is a neat thing. But it's one thing just to have scripture surrounding you. But the, one of the key phrases in this lesson is, it's in your heart. I mean, I know people that can quote the Bible with the best of them, but they don't have Jesus in their heart. And you can memorize all the scriptures you want in the world, but if it's not in your heart, what difference does it make? And that's why you also see this idea of here, you're supposed to talk about them when you walk by the way, when you sit down, when you rise up, when you're eating, that there's this constant thing with God. See, so often what we do when it comes to our walk with Christ is we treat devotions as this have-to, need-to. I get up in the morning, I do my reading, and then I'm done. Well, that's good. I think that's great, actually. But the point is, you're supposed to have this mindset on God throughout the entire day. The Bible uses a word called meditate, where you're constantly thinking and chewing on the Lord all day. When you're walking, when you're sitting, when you're rising, when you're eating, that the conversation always goes back to the Lord. And that's one of the things that we try to do at our house as well. Just situations of life pop up, you talk about God. As you're outside and they ask questions about nature, you talk about God's creation, you talk about God's plan for creation, and you just talk about the Lord. It's not forced, it's not pushed, it's just part of it there. And you always look, I try to always look for teaching opportunities. Um, we had this cat, you know, a while ago, and it was a cat by the name of, um, I can never remember the cat's name, but it was a cat. doesn't really matter what the cat's name is. It was a cat. The boys were outside playing with this cat. And Judah comes running up to the house and says, Dad, the cat won't wake up. <laughs> Guys. It's just a, what was it? Cutie. Cutie. Thank you, Tim. Tim was at the first service. Cutie. I couldn't remember at the first service either. Thank you, Tim. Glad to know someone was paying attention. Um, <laughs> Cutie. Judah comes in, and, and Cutie won't wake up. And, they, and I, my first thought is, have you touched this cat? Yes, they've touched him. They've poked him with sticks. Cuties. <laughs> Cutie is no longer with us. So it became a teaching moment. You take Cutie, you go bury Cutie. You talk about death. Well, then what happens? Well, next thing you know, you're talking about decomposing. Sorry, this is just what we do. And then they want to dig Cutie back up to see the bones. Point is, it becomes this teaching thing, and we did not dig Cutie back up, just so everybody knows. It becomes a teaching thing. So we're talking about death. Well, then it talks about going to heaven and how do you get to heaven? You get to heaven through Jesus and dying. Then Elias goes, I don't want to die. Well, I don't blame him. So then we start talking about the rapture. Well, see, there's other ways. See, you know, you either die and go to heaven through Christ or there's something called the rapture. What's the rapture? So explain what the rapture is. And so then you have this great moment where you sit in the living room and you sit and you pray. And we prayed right then for the rapture to happen. Now, obviously it didn't, as far as I know, but you pray. And, and you have this great moment of just, you're talking about the Lord. And so often we treat Christianity as, from 7.30 to 8 in the morning I do devotions, and I'll catch them again the next day. Or we do this mindset of, I went to church on Sunday, I'll be back in seven days, maybe. See, that's not that relationship. You know, imagine having a type of relationship with your loved one. I mean, I can't imagine getting up in the morning saying, okay, Don, from 7.30 to 8 we talk. 
from 8 o'clock on, I don't talk to you again. I'll see you back again at 7.30 the next day. Or I'll see you once a week. That's not a relationship. And part of what God is trying to say here in Deuteronomy is there's this constant relationship with the Lord all the time. That's the point of this, is when you walk, when you sit, when you eat, everything you do is about the Lord. And what Proverbs is trying to say here is, parents, we take those opportunities to teach that to our kids. Some of you may be saying, I don't have kids. Well, you may serve in the back in the children's ministry. We want you to take that opportunity to teach those kids. You may have nieces. You may have nephews. You may have grandkids. You may have neighbor kids. Either way, you have an impact on the next generation. And even if you don't around children, this is also for just us. Do we have that relationship with the Lord? See, here in America, we're really big on this idea of a God-fearing nation, but we're a God-fearing nation maybe once a week on Sundays from 10 to 11.30. And really what a relationship is, is all the time you're focused on the Lord. The Jews took these verses so literally that they literally binded Scripture on their wrists and on their heads. They literally walked around with boxes of Scripture stuck to their head. But the problem was it wasn't in their heart. And this is the point now is let's get it in the heart. So what do we get out of this? Jump back if you will to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. We ingrain them into the kids. We ingrain them into our lives. We want that relationship with the Lord. So Proverbs 6. Verse 20, my son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you wake, they will speak with you. See, what does wisdom in God's word does? Look right here at verse 22. They will lead you. God's word leads you, guides you. Next one, when you sleep, they will keep you. That word keep literally means guard. It protects you. And look at the last one. When you wake, they will speak with you. That word speak literally means meditate. See, that's what that walk with the Lord, that time with God's Word does. It leads you, it protects you, and it instructs you. See, if you close that door in your walk with the Lord, what's leading you then? What's protecting you? I mean, what's speaking to you? Because I tell you right now, the world is really loud. It's really loud. And there's a lot of things being screamed at us on TV, on radio, on internet, newspaper, magazines, and a lot of them are not good, godly choices in life. And so we can sit there and allow that to guide us, protect us, and instruct us, or we can go back to God's Word and say, God's Word says what's true, what's honest, what's right, and that's what I want to follow and do. And it goes one step further here. Look at verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp. What does a lamp do? A lamp leads you. Idea of a flashlight. It leads you. Look at the next one there. And the law of light. What does light do? Light protects us. And you know, if you hear a noise at midnight, it scares you. If you hear a noise at noon, it doesn't scare you. Why? Because there's light. A room that's in the dark, it's a little scary to walk around. A room that's well lit, you know where everything's at. See, God's Word is that light. And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Reproofs. It corrects us. It rebukes us. And how does it rebuke us? What does it do? Verse 24, to keep you from the evil, and we'll stop right there, because it doesn't matter what the next word is. In Proverbs 6 and 7, it's woman. It's talking in Proverbs 6 and 7 about sexual morality. It's talking about adultery. It's talking about not being faithful and pure in your, in your life. Well, but really what we're talking about is a deeper issue of everything. See, The writers of Proverbs here, you have a lot of wisdom of Solomon, you have a lot of wisdom of David, 
they had a lot of problems with the role of women in their lives. We're just talking on Wednesday nights about David and Bathsheba and all the sin that David got into when he had that affair with Bathsheba. Where also Solomon here had a thousand concubines and wives. Got himself into a lot of trouble with that. And what you see here is God says, stay away from the evil woman. Stay away from that. But really it's a deeper subject. Stay away from the evil fill in the blank. What's the thing that's pulling you down? For some of you it's the evil woman. Some of you it's the evil man. Some of you it's the evil of gossip. Some of you it's the evil of alcohol. For some of you it's the evil of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. Whatever it is, it's pulling you down spiritually. And God says, stay away from that. And the way that you'll be away from that is by God's word leading you, guarding you, and instructing you on what's right. But now the question comes up. You can sit here and hear it. You can do your time from 10 to 11.30. But is it really in your heart? Because jump ahead, if you will, to Proverbs 7. My son, keep my words. Treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live. Do we, do we treasure this book? You know, I've asked a lot. How many of us got up this Sunday morning and we had to take a few seconds to find the Bible? Where, where did we put it? Because I use it so much, I leave it laying around, right? No, a lot of times we forget where we put it. We don't utilize it. We don't treasure it enough. And God is saying, do you treasure wisdom? Do you earnestly desire it and seek it? Do you treasure it? And, and we fail in that area a lot, don't we? Once again, when the trials and tribulation of life hits, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? How many times have, have I told you out here, if someone calls me and say, hey, get into God's Word, Psalm 40, Psalm 23, go read about Jesus there, and it's an encouragement and strength during that difficult time. But God really says, hey, how about read those things before there's a problem, so that way when the problem arises, you already have that comforting psalm into your heart. See, that's the point is let's seek wisdom before we need it. Let's seek guidance before we need it because sometimes life throws you some curveballs and you feel like, what am I supposed to do? You know, pastor says sit and pray and seek the Lord on this. There's no time to sit and pray and seek the Lord on this. That's why we sit, pray, and seek the Lord before we even know what the issue is. I'll get up in the morning and I'll say, Lord, whatever phone calls, texts, emails, messages, whatever's going to come my way today, give wisdom, give guidance because I don't know what that phone call is going to be. And one day this week, I could go through all the phone calls. I had somebody call that found out they had cancer. I had somebody call that found out their cancer was in remission. You have somebody call that finds out that the blessing of a marriage being healed followed by a phone call of a marriage falling apart. I never know what's on that other line. And so therefore, you have to seek the Lord regularly to say, Lord, I, I don't know what's coming. I want to treasure your word to be ready for it. Example I like to use about this is we had this dehumidifier that broke. It was down in our basement, and it fell apart. It broke. And so we were trying to figure out how to fix it. So what do you need to get? you got to get the little dehumidifier book, right? Okay. Now, my wife is very, very organized, and she has every book for everything that we've ever bought for any stuff we don't even own. I don't even know why we keep the books. But wouldn't you know it, we couldn't find the dehumidifier book. The time you need it, you can't find it. Now, did I treasure that dehumidifier book? <laughs> of course not. I couldn't care less about the dehumidifier book until the time I needed it. See, a lot of us, that's the way we treat the Lord. God is kind of like on the back burner until I need him. And then, Lord, I need you. But God, where are you? 
It's not that God's hiding from you. The book of James makes it clear, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. When somebody comes and tells me, hey, I'm feeling empty in my spiritual walk, I'm just like, hey, go deeper in the Lord then. That's a great time to sign up to serve in the back. That's a great time to sign up for discipleship. That's a great time to go to an extra study. Well, why would I serve if I'm feeling empty? Why would I go to more Bible stuff if I'm feeling empty? Because part of the reason you're feeling empty is because there's not that closeness to the Lord. Draw near to God and He draws near to you. See, treasure your relationship with the Lord. I did not treasure my dehumidifier book. Couldn't find it when I needed it, when I wanted it. And so often in our spiritual life, we don't treasure that walk and relationship with the Lord. So when we need it, when we want it, we can't find it. And so treasure the commands of God, as it says right there. Verse 2, keep my commands and live. My law is the apple of your eye, Proverbs 7, 2, 7, 3. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now look at the three different things there. First one, law is the apple of your eye. Apple of your eye means it's something you desire. When we use that phrase, apple of the eye, it's something you desire. Do you desire the word of the Lord? Do you desire a deeper walk with him? Because here's what it comes down to. If you don't desire it, there's nothing anybody can do about that. Now, you can set the alarm to get up early. I can set the alarm to get up early. But do I desire to get up early and spend time with God? Do I desire to take that time in the evening or at night? You know, Dawn and I, uh, I said the other night, I said, honey, we, we're going to do a better job here in the evening. So we're going to get in bed by this time. And then before we get into bed at that time, we're going to do this before there just to spend time with the Lord. And it's like, yeah, we're going to do that. And wouldn't you know it, we ended up watching this program. And next thing you know, it just kind of goes into that time you allotted. There's nothing wrong with watching programs necessarily. But what happens is, what happens to that desire to want to say, Lord, I want to go deeper in you. Are you the apple of my eye? Next one, bind them on your fingers. See, the idea of the fingers is you're out there doing something. So this idea of Scripture being on your fingers, every action you do then goes through the filter of God's Word. Is this action going to take the kingdom of God further? Is this action going to show the love of Jesus? It's on my fingers. So as I do something, I'm thinking about what would Jesus want me to do? See, so often in life we do things with no thought of, what does God think of that? When the scriptures are bound on your fingers, wisdom is there to say, this is what God would want me to do. Write them on the tablet of your heart. That's the key one, verse 3. You've got to want to. You have to want to. You know, one of the things I like to do when it comes to marriage counseling, if a marriage isn't going well, when they come in for the first session, one of the first things I ask them is, do you love your wife? Do you love your husband? Do you still want to be married to your husband? Do you still want to be married to your wife? If they say, no, I don't want to be married to him, I usually say, there's nothing I can do. If you don't have a desire to want to be in that marriage or relationship, I, I can't make you. And if somebody says, I don't want to go deeper, what am I supposed to say to that? It has to be a desire in your heart to say, I want it, no matter what. Because look at the next one, verse 4. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin. See, I grew up with two older sisters. And when I grew up with two older sisters, there's times we got along, there's times we didn't get along. And as we got along, they were great. I loved them. They were my sisters. There's times we didn't get along, I didn't love them. But you know what? They were still my sisters. And what it's trying to say here is, you are my sister, is there is this relationship, hopefully, with the Lord, where even though you're not doing what you could be doing, or I'm not doing what I could be doing, God still loves us. That's a beautiful thing. And he says, I want you to want to go deeper with me. Because what comes out of that, verse 5, that they may keep you from the immoral 
Once again, woman, but fill in the blank. God keeps you from the immoral whatever you're struggling with. That sin you know you shouldn't be doing. That bitterness that you know you have. That gossip problem. That laziness problem. Whatever it is. God says wisdom keeps you from doing that. God's word keeps you from doing that. But you have to want it. And that's where we're at right now is do we want it? Turn, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy is the last book of the Bible that Paul wrote. It's like his swan song, if you will. And so with Paul's swan song, we're getting to the end of his life. We're getting down to the last chapter and a half that he wrote. And he's writing to his, writing to his protege, Timothy. Timothy is a young man that's leading up a church. And Paul is giving his final words of wisdom to Timothy. And wouldn't you know, it deals with God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. What a great verse there. Parents, if you still have kids at home, take this time in their childhood to really show them what the relationship with Jesus is. Not just in words, not just in scripture memorization, Live it. That, that carries more than you could ever know. Live that life. I've shared this story with you before. I can remember when I got saved. I got saved in the fall of 93. And uh, I got saved through Jim Crager's teaching. And I can remember it was the winter of 94. And we went to, um, I was Jim, Bonnie, Kelly, and myself. And we went to this uh, little church. And I can't even remember what it was. I think it was over around Finley. And I came home with them from church that day, and we were going to go in the evening and speak to this youth group. And so I spent the afternoon with uh, Jim, Bonnie, and the family. Now, I know Jim. Anybody that went to Patrick Henry knows Jim Crager. Knows he's a wonderful, godly man. This is my junior year in high school, so I had seen him for two and a half years, and I saw what he was like, and I've seen him in church. And now I was going to spend an afternoon with him, and I distinctly remember that day thinking, I'm finally going to see what he's really like. Finally. And you know what he's really like? He's really like what he's like at school. <laughs> a neat, godly man. And the thing that really impacted me about that was that there is no hypocrisy going on between the public and the private. And I'll tell you right now, I can be a hypocrite sometimes. I can have a great public perception. I know there's a rumor going around I'm perfect. I know that. But you know what? The, the reality is I'm close but not there. And so there sometimes is this reality of, I know what I'm like. I know the sinner I am. And it's like, oh, Lord, my kids are going to grow up to be the biggest mess-ups in the world. But yet God says, from childhood, give them the Scriptures because that will make them wise. The best thing I can do for my kids is give them God's Word and live a Christian life in front of them. It's the best thing I can do. It's the best thing you can do. And if you've got kids at home, that's the best you can do. If you don't have kids... Just privately, just ask yourself this. Are you the private Christian that you are as the public Christian? Because if not, it's hypocrisy. Or what we see on Sunday mornings and what you say publicly and how you act with God, is that the same way you are privately? Because if not, why is that? Let's try to be publicly what we are privately and privately what we are publicly. Let's really live the life and all we do and say. Because you know that word hypocrite. Actually, in its original form, it meant actor. Because that's all a hypocrite is. Is when I'm around you, I act really good. That privately, when I get home, I can finally be who I am. That's acting. 
I want to, from childhood, raise my kids in Christ, and I want to live the life that I can in front of them. Because you know why? Look at verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Your translations may say those words a little differently, but let's look at each one of those words. The first one, doctrine. Doctrine is simply what you believe. That's doctrine. Doctrine is Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and only through Him can you have salvation and entrance into heaven. That's doctrine. I'm not budging on that one. That's doctrine. And so there should be, as a Christian, you should know the doctrine of the Bible. If someone comes up to you and says, how do I get to heaven? Not trying to pick, but your first answer shouldn't be, wow, let me give you the number of the pastor. As a believer, you should know how you get to heaven. As a believer, we should have that doctrine of what heaven is, what hell is. Why do I believe the Bible is God's word? Why do I not believe that I can be saved through another foreign religion? It's doctrine. And that's what we spend time talking about here is understanding that. Now the next one, doctrine, next one is reproof, which means rebuke, means sin. Now, I, I tell you this right now. I hate being rebuked, and I hate rebuking people. It is not fun. Now, anybody that likes to rebuke people, they're missing the love of God. Now, I love you enough to tell you I'm concerned about you, and I'm loved enough to tell you that you're wrong, but it's not that I get a joy out of that. And I per really don't like it when someone comes to me and says, James, you're wrong. <laughs> no one likes to be rebuked. No one likes to rebuke. But the problem is sometimes we need to be rebuked. Sometimes there's going to be a time in my life where I'm wrong and one of you may need to come and say, James, I'm concerned. There's going to be times in your life where I'm going to see a concern and I'm going to come to you and say, hey, I'm concerned. That's rebuke. God's word rebukes us. And the thing is, God's word rebukes us even if no one says it. There's a situation years ago where there was a guy that served out here regularly, served out here faithfully, and all of a sudden, he just disappeared. Just disappeared. And I, and I don't know what happened. And tried calling, tried contacting, tried doing everything, and, and couldn't get anything. And found out later what happened was there was this message that I gave one time that this person thought was directed at them, where it wasn't, and so therefore they were rebuked by that message. They thought I was picking on them from the pulpit. And in fact, there was a sin going on in this person's life that I didn't even know about. But through the Holy Spirit and God's Word, that person was rebuked, and that person then took it personally and left. I didn't even know about it. But that's what God's Word does. See, now when I'm sitting there in the car and I'm listening to a message and I get rebuked by that message, I can either sit there and listen and say, okay, Lord, I'll make those changes, or I can shut it off. And see, what happens when we get rebuked, maturity says, I respond and want to make those changes. Immaturity says, I don't care. God's Word rebukes. Next one is correction. Correction is not necessarily talking about sin. It's just talking about error teaching you the right way of saying, hey, this is how you're supposed to live your life. This is how you're supposed to handle that situation. Yes, the old you would have done this. The born-again you now does this. It's just correction. This is correct, right living. We do this all the time as parents. Don't hit your brother. You know, we just do correct teaching. Don't run across the street. Last one is instruction. This is what we mostly do on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights is we're taking time to instruct. It's to say, this is what God's Word says. This is how you live a godly life. This is how you have a godly marriage. This is how you hopefully raise a godly family. This is how you live as a witness. It's instruction through God's Word. Now, I will tell you right now, I am totally, totally biased. I love the verse-by-verse -verse teaching through God's Word. 
I love it. And I believe that's the best way to get instruction is God's word. Jesus said the whole of the book is written about me. Now we'll stop and we'll do some topicals here and there. We'll do some stuff like that. But generally speaking, I love just going verse by verse through the Bible and getting the full context of what God's word has to say. And I love it. That's how you get instructed. And what's the result of this? Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That word for complete means perfected. See, by hearing God's word, by you being in the word, it takes you deeper in your walk. It makes you a better man and a better woman in the Lord. But it only works when you take it and you put it in your heart. See, I had the book of the dehumidifier somewhere at some place. I didn't treasure it. What are all those little instruction books say at the beginning? Read all instructions before starting. Now, how many of you ever did that? How many of you, when you bought your last new or used car, said, okay, I'm not even putting the key until I read every page of the owner's manual. I didn't even care what the dehumidifier book had. It was simple. Dehumidifier, there's a bucket. I stick the bucket in. The bucket fills up. I plug it in. I can figure this out. I figured it out until my life broke with my dehumidifier. Then I needed the book. See, isn't life simple? I know what I'm supposed to do. I know how to be a dad. I know how to be a father. I know how to be a good worker. I know how to make it through life. And then your life falls apart. And now you're looking for instruction. But did you treasure the book that tells you what to do? See, it'd be great if God would have said, read all instructions before doing anything. And this book is 66 books that God said, I believe it's important enough to tell you. This is the medium he, chose to speak, he chooses to speak to you. He, he uses the Holy Spirit, obviously. He uses teaching. He uses preaching. He uses worship. He uses all that. But the main instrument comes from this book. And do we treasure this wisdom, this knowledge, this direction that the book gives to make those right godly choices in life? That's where we're at right now. Because see, in Proverbs 6 and 7, you have the writer of Proverbs talking. And be it him sharing the history of David or him talking about Solomon here, you have a guys, or guys I should say, that stumbled horribly in the role of women. And so Proverbs 6 and 7 are like, learn from us. Now in the context of this, I hope we have learned from them and, and sexual immorality. But it's even deeper than that. Do we all have to steal something and go to jail to realize it's wrong? Do we all have to go snap at our spouse to realize I shouldn't do it? Wisdom is I learn before it happens that it's not the path I want to go down. There are certain things in life I know that are wrong, and I've never experienced them, I've never tried them, and I'm still not going to try them or experience them because wisdom says don't. And see, and what we're trying to tell us here in Proverbs 6 and 7 is wisdom, instruction from the book, from the Bible, will guide you, direct you, it will guide you, it says, lead you, protect you, and instruct you before there's even an issue. But are you treasuring it, and are you putting it in your heart? If you desire that, we're here to support you and encourage you in, in numerous ways. I encourage you to grab a, one of the, our daily breads back there. They're free, great little day-to-day -day devotion. And if you look on the left of it, there says something for like deeper reading or for further reading. I encourage you, you can get in your Bible and read that. The, our daily breads are great. I consider them like a little um, Pop-Tart, if you will. It's something to grab, it's nice, it sustains you, but it's just one step, hopefully, towards a more nutritious, balanced meal. Go a little deeper there. If you want to go deeper and you're saying, okay, I don't know the doctrine of the Christian faith, 
Wouldn't you know it? We're starting discipleships up September 13th. Pastor Rich discipled me when I first got saved, and I tell you, it would be a wonderful blessing to go through. Or maybe it's like, you know what, I know the doctrine, but you know, I need instruction. Or maybe I need rebuked a little. I find my walk is not a walk. It's a crawl, if that at best. That's a great time to recommit, and it's a great time to say, I'm ready to go deeper in that area, and that's what I want to do. There's options for you to do that. And we encourage you, and we want you to get involved with that in all ways, because we want you to treasure God's Word. We want you to want it in your heart. That's what it comes down to. And I tell you, if that's something you desire, we're, we're here to pray with you. We're here to encourage you. We're here to point you in any direction, in any way whatsoever, because we want you to want to go deeper. And I tell you, you'll be blessed. Can't stress that to you enough. You will be blessed in your life when you put the Lord first in all you say and do. Marv, come forward here for the final song.